Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zenderance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. As Zenderance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code, the Show Up Dad, and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zenderance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Today, we are joined with my wife, Jenny, and this is Marriage on the Line Lifeline. All marriages, even the really good ones, need mending. The routine of jobs, kids, chores, and other commitments can overshadow romance and passion with any husband and wife. As a result, couples can feel disillusioned or even alone. That is why my wife and I have created this marriage series, a platform for husbands and wives to come on and share what they do to be successful. Welcome to our show, Jenny. Hi. (laughs) So today, what are we going to talk about? Well, I definitely think that Like you said, marriage is a foundation for security, for families, for children, uh, and ultimately children are being raised in healthy families or not healthy families, and that really contributes to the overall state of society. So it is really important to know that you're not alone if you are struggling in your marriage. We've been there. Mm Mm-hmm. But we've overcome a lot of things and we're still learning to overcome and learning how to do marriage God's way, the right way, and to really flourish in marriage. And that's why we wanted to have this conversation today. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times two people get married with the aspirations that um, I fell in love with this person and it's easy to fall out of love with this person as well. Um they don't go into it with the mindset that, hey, whatever it takes, I'm going to make this to succeed. What do you think? I think that there is definitely a huge amount of people out there, and I don't know why this is, that think, oh, if I met the right person, I don't need to do any work. It should just work well. And then like with everything that is worth working towards, Like if you have this great career, you know, you still have to work at that career. You don't just get the career and then sit back and relax. You'll lose your job that way, right? Yeah. Well, the same principles work with marriage. Like you need to continue to work at marriage to have a great marriage. It's not something where it's like, oh, I got the chick. My job is done. Now I just need to chill. Or same thing with the woman, like, oh, I got the man that I wanted. Now I don't ever need to do my makeup or, you know, clean the house, clean the house or, you know, I'm going to live in sweats all day and which is cool. I mean, if you need to live in sweats, that's fine. You know, your man should love you the way you are, but you should also be trying to, you know, yeah, exactly. Never stop dating your spouse. Right. I heard a, a, a great pastor that we listened to pastor Jurgen. He said, how you catch a thing is how you keep a thing. And I agree with that a hundred percent wholeheartedly because it's true. You know, men tend to marry the girl, right? We get the girl, we go to work. Uh, we start going into this provider protector mode and we start doing that. And somehow along the way, we forget why we're doing it, who we're doing it for. 
and then our families start getting pushed off to side off to the side correct yeah i i kind of wonder where that mindset comes from though cuz you always you see that a lot in mm-hmm. the family dynamic where like the man pursues the woman is super excited to receive her as his wife and then kind of becomes complacent and almost develops this thinking as if oh well we're married so she's never going to leave it doesn't matter how hard it go we go through stuff or whatever you know better for worse she's never going to leave me where does that thinking kind of come from because sometimes i i feel like a lot of women are talking about what they need from their man and they try to address it with their man but then their man thinks it's like nagging and Mm. you know what I'm saying yes like but then there's also like a complacency from the man like oh well we're married and you're never gonna leave me but yet you don't want to work on the marriage (laughs) so (laughs) what happens in a man's thinking well from my perspective because I went through this I think it was a generational issue to where like my parents you know they had been married for 50 some years and uh, they got married really young. My mom had twins at the age of 16 and, you know, them growing up together in this relationship, no matter how hard it got, no matter how, um, what today society would call, uh, violent, you know what I mean? Um, it, it got pretty rough growing up and in their marriage and stuff like that. And I think, Growing up and seeing that and seeing all the stuff that my mom went through and stuck through it, even to the point where they lost their youngest child in in 2020, which is my younger brother, you know, and then seeing them stick together now, that's how I grew up. That's what I saw. That was the model for me in our marriage is no matter what, how hard it is, what you do, you stick with your spouse. Mm -hmm. You never leave them. And that's the mindset I went into when I married you, no matter how hard it got, no matter how bad it got, I was going to be there for you and stick with this and make this sucker work until the wheels fell off. That's the mindset I had. But I think to answer your question, I think it's based upon how you saw and related to marriage in your own family dynamic. Like growing up. Yeah. 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 And then I'm on the polar opposite. We're like grew up in a household with divorced parents and stuff like that so leaving was kind of what I learned was an option to the problem (laughs) instead of dealing with the problem right right? which isn't which isn't an option to fixing the problems because you're just going to repeat those same issues in the next relationship and it's interesting because when you get into a relational dynamic Mm -hmm. that's where growth happens yes you can heal when you get outside of like a relationship, you can heal, but real healing comes when I think we have to learn how to deal with each other relationally. So at some point you're going to have to face your triggers Mm -hmm. and deal with what is really causing the triggers. Like just because you trigger me (laughs) doesn't mean that you're toxic. It just means that there's something in me that needs to be fixed. Exactly. And I think more couples need to understand that because yeah, you're going to have this, this tension in between you. Right. And in a perfect marriage, the way God designed it to be, you're going to have those tensions to, to bring out, to kind of draw out our flaws that need worked on. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So like, say for instance, you're triggering me, right? You're doing something that I, I recognize that Mm -hmm. I don't like. Mm-hmm. Okay. A lot of times when we see that in other people, it's because don't like that about ourselves. And that's how we recognize it in mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it makes us uncomfortable because I don't like it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, then I got to step back and be like, okay, well, what is it that she's doing that I do that I, that I'm recognizing this, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then it goes back to self instead of finger pointing i think a lot of couples these days like to point the finger instead mm-hmm. of pointing the finger back at themselves and be like okay well what is it that i'm doing that i'm creating this mm-hmm. i agree but it definitely this goes for couples and marriages where you're fighting fair and it's a safe environment mm. too because there are a lot of toxic bad behaviors mm-hmm. that can be taking place in the marriage and 
sometimes people think it's blaming, but really it's holding somebody accountable. Can you uh, elaborate more on that? Because I, I know exactly where you're going, but for our, our, our listeners, can you elaborate a little bit more about that as far as like give examples of toxic behaviors? I'm out doing something that's not good. I don't know for the relationship and, or it it's triggered you or something like that. And then uh, you come to me and you're like, I don't like that. But then I deflect and I flip it around and I'm like, what are you talking about? You're blaming me, blah, 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 all this stuff. I don't like what you're saying. It's all your fault. Rather than taking responsibility for the wrong that I caused and the hurt that I caused you, Mm -hmm. that's not okay. Like say, for instance, if you're in a situation where one person is, has an addiction issue Mm -hmm. and you go to that person and you say, Hey, this is going too far. Mm -hmm. It needs to stop. Then that person could possibly, the person that has an addiction issue could possibly feel attacked and then turn things on you and not hear you, not listen to you, not understand how they're destroying the relationship. I think in that aspect, one of like, just for me, again, when you came to me and you approached me with certain things that I was doing, whether it be an addiction to pornography or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you came to me with that, I think it was a lot of it was rooted in shame for one. Mm-hmm. I didn't like what I was doing, obviously, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be hiding it. Mm-hmm. And number two, the feeling of being transported back to being a child and getting caught doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's why when people feel that shame, they react in in a in a way that's what you call not safe, mm-hmm. you know? So I think as couples, we need to recognize that that's prob- probably a possibility that they're going to react like that, especially being caught red handed. Mm-hmm. You know, I know for me, a lot of times I reacted in a, a, probably in a, in a response that wasn't safe for you. I'm like, and then deflecting, pointing blame. Well, you do this or you did this or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? To justify to it. To justify it. And I think that's rooted in shame, mm-hmm. you know? I, I understand that. And I think that we definitely need to go to people in a safe way Mm -hmm. and point out and help people grow. But also I do know, like with your situation, Mm -hmm. um, where you're dealing with addiction, uh, you just couldn't hear me. No. And, and I think if, if somebody is going to their spouse over and over and over and is saying, Hey, what you're doing is really hurting me. It's really hurting the relationship but that spouse isn't able to change their behavior or acknowledge it, they might be dealing with an addiction. Mm -hmm. And an addiction could be anything. Like I stopped drinking 15 years ago and I stopped chewing 13 years ago. I thought I had handled that vice and that addiction just transferred into something else. For me, it was a hobby that I used to do. And that hobby became more important than my own family. I put that first, which in a sense, guys, if you're listening right now, what happens when you do that, you're telling your spouse that they are less important than your hobby. I know in that mindset while you're doing it, whether it be golf, whether it be working out, whatever, even being a workaholic, you don't think of that because you're always thinking of, okay, I'm doing this for this. This is for my happiness. Or if you're a workaholic, I'm getting this overtime to provide for a better life for my family. You know, you guys don't really see the damage that you're causing or the insecurity that you're causing in your wife when you're doing it. And that's part of that addiction. It's, it's very, um, it's very seductive. Don't you say? Well, it is. Addictions are very seductive. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And then Dr. Stephen Poulter said, whenever somebody's kind of dealing with an addiction, it's a, it's a very narcissistic type of trait, not Mm -hmm. necessarily saying the person themselves is a narcissist, but that it's very self-oriented basically. Right. Yeah. Cause you're, you're feeding yourself. You're right. Your, your, your ego, I guess. Right. You're just, you're feeding, you're trying to self-soothe whatever's mm-hmm. happening in your life. And, uh, it doesn't really matter how you hurt anybody else or take from anybody else in order to fulfill yourself. But if a person is trying to come to their spouse that is dealing with addiction, what's the best way to approach them for that person to listen for that person to want to change? I think the best way to approach anybody in that kind of situation is to have a level of empathy. 
and approach it the way you would want to be approached. But if a person, people get wrapped up in their addictions, they don't care about what's happening Mm -hmm. anywhere else, you know what I mean? As long as they feed their addiction. So how do you come to that person and you say, you know, this needs to stop? Do you put down boundaries and say, hey, if you don't stop, I'm leaving? Mm, Yes, absolutely. I think that boundaries, tough love, right? Mm -hmm. Tough love. It's no different than the mother who keeps giving her child 20 bucks, right? To feed their smack addiction. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you say you're doing it because you love them and you don't want your little hito per se Mm -hmm. to, to, to be suffering. But in a sense, you're not helping them. You're just prolonging that agony. You're prolonging that pain. You're you're keeping them trapped. Mm-hmm. So I look at it that way with addictions. So yeah, absolutely. I think you need to pull that Band-Aid off and, and put down that tough love, you know, but approach it in a level of empathy as well. You know what I mean? Right. Enough is enough. When it's starting to dissolve the family and it's starting to affect the family mm-hmm. and you see there's no reaching that person that they are completely out of it then you need to go to a drastic step, which is, hey, me or your addiction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that was where I messed up. I was always like, you know, you need to cut back on this Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be like, it's me or the addiction. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I just felt like I didn't want to take something from you that you enjoyed because Mm -hmm. it wasn't like a drug. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't want to remove something out of your life that you enjoyed. And also, in my thinking, it was always like, well, he needs to choose on his own. Mm-hmm. Does he love me or does he love this thing more than me? Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I went wrong. Like, if I really valued the relationship, and honestly, if I really valued you, mm-hmm. I wouldn't placate you. I would say, you know what? I care about you too much to mm-hmm. see you continue to dissolve our family like this. Mm-hmm. You can, know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Can you elaborate a little bit more for our listeners? What about placation is? Well, placating, which I've gotten to have a better understanding about this, mm-hmm. something I didn't really understand or knew that I did uh, because I was a people pleaser but I didn't really understand what that meant. Like I knew that I really cared what people thought about me, Mm -hmm. uh, but it wasn't until I read The Shame Factor by Dr. Stephen Poulter uh, about what codependency, placating, and people-pleasing really is. So basically it meant that I would just go along with whatever you wanted Mm -hmm. so that way you would like me. Mm. So if you wanted tacos and I wanted Chinese food, I'd be like, yeah, let's do tacos instead of saying, you know what? I really want Chinese food. I don't want tacos again, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, So placating is where you're rejecting yourself in order to make somebody else happy, trying to control the situation. Mm -hmm. So that way the outcome comes in your favor. So it's a form of manipulation. It's a form of manipulation mm-hmm. uh, in a very roundabout, non-in-your-face type of manner. Mm-hmm. But what happens to a person that placates is they become very resentful. Very resentful. Mm-hmm. I do all this stuff for you, even though you've never asked me to do those things. Mm-hmm. I do all these things for you. You know, I, I respect you. I do this, blah, 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 all this stuff. And you don't do anything for me. You don't mind read what I need, what my needs are. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm resentful and unforgiving and hate, hate, hating you because really the problem is with me. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you're not voicing out your pain. Right? Yeah. I'm not voicing, voicing out what I really want. Mm-hmm. I'm placating to what you want. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying, you know what? I don't like that. I want this. Mm-hmm which causes momentary chaos in the relationship, but ultimately both people will be happier because even the person that you're placating to starts to kind of resent you. Mm-hmm. 
No, and, and I see that too, because like in our relationship, you placated like crazy with me. Like, all right, cool, whatever. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just kept going with it. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> and then when you hit me upside the head, because like you said, you talked about bitterness and resentment building up. I'm like, what are you talking about? What do you mean you're bitter? What do you mean you didn't like this house? What do you mean you didn't want to live out here in the country and have all these animals? What are you, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Even though you had voiced those many a times, but you placated, you never put your foot down. Right. Hey, you know, I'm a part of this marriage too. Yeah. You know, um, how many women are in that position right now? Or even men? I'm, I'm sure tons of men, tons of women are like, Mm -hmm. there's that saying, I don't agree with it. Happy wife, happy life. No, I don't agree with it. Uh, That's a form of placation. <laughs> yeah, it's totally just training men to placate their wives uh, and and vice versa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I definitely think the big problem was that I would voice out what I wanted, but I wouldn't put my foot down and I wouldn't hold the boundary. Mm-hmm. So then it became nagging. Oh, yes. Yes. There's a a Proverbs that talks about how it's better to sit outside on the roof on the corner of your house in the rain than have to deal with a woman who is nagging. Mm -hmm. And I think it becomes (laughs) nagging because you're not putting boundaries. You're saying what you want, Mm -hmm. but you're not holding that with a boundary. So you're saying, hey, can you put the trash out? Mm-hmm. And then you don't really do anything to enforce it. Or, hey, honey, I need help with the kids. But then there's no enforcement. You just go and you do it yourself. And then you're exhausted mm-hmm. and like bugged because this person isn't jumping to help you. You know what I mean? Where when you what you should do is say, you know, what? I need help with the kids right now. Yes. I need you to stop what you're doing and help me now. You know, there kind of needs to be some very clear communication. Mm -hmm. For one, say what you want. Don't beat around the bush and be straightforward about it. Mm -hmm. Do it in respect and love. And then to receive it, how do you have to receive it as a man? Like, what do you need to do from that point? If your wife is coming to you and saying, this needs to happen now. You need to get off your butt and do it. I mean, obviously the tone and, and you know, if, if, if you come up to me and be like, Hey, I need freaking help right now. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get off my butt and be like, okay, I'm listening to her. What I'm hearing is that she's in a heightened sense of, of, uh, of, uh, alertness right now. Um, she's obviously triggered. She needs help. And mm-hmm. then I'm going to go right into solving help, you know, and we see that even in our dynamic. You know, a lot of times I'll be dealing with what we need to do on the foundation or up here, reading my Bible, whatever. And you're yelling at me, hey, I need help with the kids Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then I have to get up and go and and see what I need to deal with. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So at that moment, I think men need to just get up, stop exactly what you're doing at that moment and go see what your wife needs. Put her first. And that's going to do two things. Like I said, number one. You're going to show you that you value her. Mm -hmm. And number two, that you're there standing by her side and you got her back. Yeah. Because we're on the same team. We're on the same team, correct? Yeah. We're right. We're, we're both raising a family. Not just one side. Yeah. Not just (laughs) one person. (laughs) So you can't get stuck in that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, too, with that, they won't have to nag if you did it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. If a woman has resorted to nagging. uh, They're not being heard. They're not being heard. And uh, they need something to change in the relationship. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men kind of are avoiders of conflict because they don't know how to. I mean, you tell me. Yeah. Is it because they just don't know how to fix it? And men, they, they receive a problem and then they go instantly into fixing mode. But if they can't fix the problem instantly, what happens? It's just like, it's frustration. What is it? Yeah. It's a avoidant behavior. Um, 
you tend to detach. Okay. Um, like for instance, if you come to me and I don't want to get in a conflict, I'm like, whatever, you know what I mean? I don't want to hear it right now. I had a hard day at work, whatever. I don't want to deal with this right now. Mm -hmm. Right. That's that avoidant behavior, which I think a lot of men do. You go into another room, you go and watch TV and you turn up the volume or you go to your garage or whatever, you know what I mean? Cause you don't want to deal with it at that moment. Right. You're dealing with your, your own problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like to tell men, leave your problems at work and don't bring your problems of home to work. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of problems right there can be solved. If you learn how to detach, I know that uh, Jocko Willink and his bunch talk a lot about detachment, mm -hmm. right? And they're able to detach to be able to complete the mission. Mm -hmm. And I agree with it. I agree with being able to detach. The problem though here lies in not detaching all the time. Because when you start detaching, when it becomes easy for you to detach from your family, you're going to tend to want to do that. Mm -hmm. And then you have this distant dad syndrome that we talk about on the podcast like crazy. Mm -hmm. Where you're in the room literally next to your family and you're completely completely separated from them mm -hmm. well i also think a point to bring up too is like what you're saying you don't when i bring you a problem and mm -hmm. you kind of it not anymore but in the past if you went into an avoidant position it's because you didn't want to deal with it right now mm -hmm. but also like if you have a tendency to be an avoidant person and you don't want to deal with the issue right now Please know that if you're not helping your spouse deal with the issue, they're doing it alone mm. because they don't have a choice. Somebody has to deal with the problem. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to deal with that problem. And if you choose to just avoid the situation, mm -hmm. you're abandoning your spouse mm -hmm. in that situation. And then they get stuck mm -hmm. with 100% of the problem solving issue and it can cause a lot of guilt for the person that's having to do it mm -hmm. if they, you know, make some mistakes along the way or you feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. There's a book by Adam Lane Smith. He's a guest on our podcast and he wrote a book called uh, Exhausted Wives, Bewildered Husbands. And that's so true. <laughs> I mean, I was just going to say that because, yeah, you absolutely burn them out. You mm -hmm. burn your spouse out. Mm hmm. Right. And it's crazy that you say that because the husband is bewildered. You don't know you're doing it. It's not like you, you meant to burn your wife out. It's not like you're trying to do that. You have no idea. You're completely in your own world thinking that your wife's handling it all while you handle your stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's that's a great book. I highly recommend it. Yeah, definitely. Um, we had so a past, oh, excuse me. Oh. Um, we had a past guest, Adria. And also Victor Robledo, who's a coach, and they all talked about burnout, mm. okay, and adrenal fatigue. Now, with that being said, I think there's a lot of health issues that we create when we're putting all that stress and responsibilities on our spouse and not helping them. I mm -hmm. mean, it affects your health tremendously. How, how did it affect your health? Oh, gosh, I know for a fact that I was like way past my limit. I was mm -hmm. drowning. Um when I ended up getting chronically ill, mm -hmm. it left me susceptible, susceptible to becoming very sick, uh, because I was so stressed all the time, uh, having a house and a farm and kids and living out in the country away from family. And you were gone all the time. It definitely burnt me out. And, and I was very stressed. Cortisol is a stress hormone. And if you have too much of it for prolonged periods of time, it will lower your immune system. Mm -hmm. It will lower your immune system. And then it leaves you susceptible to, to health issues. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, cortisol is a hormone that your body produces. It gets you up in the morning, things like that. Uh, but it needs to be regulated in your body. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a constant state of stress, you're going to burn out. You're going to have issues. You're going to have mood swings. And ultimately, unfortunately, sometimes it ends up in chronic illness. Yeah, something's going to give for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be your own health, your own mental um, peace, 
your your relationship, whatever, even with your kids, how many women are out there so stressed out that they start taking it out on their own children? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a whole different ball game right there too. You know what I mean? And sometimes as moms, we're not even angry. Sometimes what happens is we're just overstimulated. Mm. I can tell you there's been times, I mean, I know for you even, Sometimes when we're driving somewhere new and the radio's on and the kids are yelling in the car and screaming, it's like, oh my gosh, everybody be quiet so I can think. (laughs) (laughs) But you're not angry. What it is, is you're just overstimulated. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, sometimes I'll be in the house and the TV's blaring and Nakota has her music on and the kids are doing all kinds of stuff. And I'm trying to wash dishes and cook dinner and a phone is ringing and it's just like, whoa, major overstimulation. And, and you, it kind of flips a switch in you, mm-hmm. you know, and daddy's in the garage working out <laughs> <laughs> with your headphones on. Headphones so you can't hear too. anything. Exactly. <laughs> so what are some tips that people can do? They can implement into their relationship to combat some of these little foxes that still from their relationship, still the intimacy from their relationship, still the pleasure from their relationship. What are some tips we can give couples? Uh, I think the number one is communication, like we always talk about, but really voicing what you want. Because for husbands, we can't read your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that's a big help. Yeah. What do you think? Being very clear. Yeah. Being vocal. About what you want. I also think if you have a tendency to placate, do some inner work and start upholding boundaries. Put yourself in positions where uh, being told no and feeling uncomfortable uh, is not so stressful to you. So start small Mm -hmm. by saying, you know what? I want tacos for dinner tonight. And then just, you know, put it out there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, right? Yeah. So boundaries. I think boundaries is is essential, not only to keep each individual happy, mm-hmm. but also to protect the marriage. Exactly. And then number three, I think being consistent, especially if you caused a lot of hurt and you've caused distrust in your spouse. The best way I think to do is to to reclaim that, right? Because trust is is earned in drops and lost in buckets is to be consistent mm-hmm. you know over time it will get better but be consistent you know um dr Stephen poulter talked about how here in southern california we have this huge mountain mount san antonio or baldy and that that mountain is always constant the weather changes during the winter it's going to have snow on it and the summer it's going to be dry rock right mm-hmm. that mountain never changes the only thing that changes is the atmosphere around it and the weather around it so being consistent, I think, is is a big one in your marriage and being a father. Mm-hmm. I definitely also think what piggybacks off of that, uh, talking about trust, is honesty. Mm. It, you, you definitely should be honest. Uh, and if you have experienced like a betrayal in your relationship or have a tendency to just lie about money or anything, uh, you can actually overcome you know, the loss of trust with honesty, it'll balance it out. So if you start being honest consistently, mm-hmm. even though it's hard, uh, you can regrain, regrain, regain your trust uh, with the person that you lost trust with. And you can also create a secure foundation and secure intimacy in your mm-hmm. relationship by being very honest. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Um... I like that you said intimacy because intimacy, the way I translate that is into me. See, so you're being completely transparent with your spouse, not hiding little things. You know, I know a lot of uh, uh, people out there have separate bank accounts. And to me, that's a no-no. I mean, because you guys are joined together. You became one flesh. You guys are married together. And when you're hiding money and stashing money, you know what I mean? And she's hiding money, stashing money or, or spending money here or whatever. That's that's a level of intimacy that's been breached, I think. What do you think? I think if I think that separate bank accounts can 
easily lead to dishonesty. Mm. Um, I do understand that there are dynamics in relationships where sometimes that's necessary. Mm-hmm. But I think that if you're in a healthy marriage, there's not really a reason why you should have separate bank accounts. No. Uh, you know, you two become one, like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And you kind of have to embrace melding your lives together. Mm-hmm. It's when two people get married and they don't really want to meld their lives together. They still want to kind of have a separate life apart from their spouse but still be together that you can create like white water rapids what jimmy evans says Mm -hmm. when two marriages like two rivers that when they start flowing together at first there's going to be white rapids white water rapids but if you just continue to go to the go with the flow you'll learn to flow together learn to be a force of nature together whereas when you see the couples that are trying to live separate lives while they're still married, there can that can cause a lot of white water rapids mm-hmm. in your life. And then you wonder why there's turbulence or why you're dealing with intimacy issues or things like that. Absolutely. So, so those are some of the uh, tips that we have for you guys and how to enrich your marriage. I also think, oh, I have one more. Oh, okay, go ahead. Uh, I think safety. Okay, explain. Safety is important. So you have to have a safe environment. Meaning, if I come to you with an honest thing that happened to me today, like say, Mm -hmm. for instance, oh, I come to you because some man talked to me gross and I was like totally disgusted about it and I want to talk to you about it, Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, you making it a safe environment for me to come to you to be honest. Mm -hmm. Or say, for instance, my boss told me something horrible and they were being totally unfair, and I came to you and talked to you about it, mm-hmm. definitely you being able to receive that or vice versa. If you know we're having a fight, it needs to be a safe fight, mm. not a blaming, manipulation, I'm going to divorce you because we have a problem and you know you brought this up to me type mm-hmm. of situation. And I think the way you can create that safe space too, because I mean, obviously there's going to be moments where you're heated, right? Yeah. I know that uh, I've read where if your heartbeat goes over a hundred beats per minute, a man physically cannot hear, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we start yelling and raising our voices and stuff like that. So if it gets that moment, if you guys feel that you guys are being triggered, you're, you're, you're feeling heated, I suggest a timeout, five minute break. Absolutely. Yes. If you see that somebody is ha- way over their head in the mm-hmm. conversation safety also means giving each other a break mm-hmm. definitely so that way you can resolve the problem because if you keep going in an argument you're not going to resolve anything no you're going to be what is the way they call it cycling or it's uh when marathoning marathoning that's the word. you're going to be marathoning yeah that's not good that's that's physically exhausting yes you know what I mean? Because you're just consistently going over and over and over things. And it's just like, oh, man, we're getting nowhere. It's good to fight, but to have a result to that fight. You know what I mean? To solve a problem. Right. You know, because marriage doesn't dissolve the fights. I mean, that's a healthy marriage doesn't have that. I mean, a healthy marriage is going to have these little fights that you can uh, overcome. Overcome. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Problem solving. Mm-hmm. If you're just fighting and fighting and fighting and spinning your wheels, that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting for both people in the marriage. So you definitely want to fight with a purpose. So if you're mm-hmm. going to have a, a disagreement or something like that, you want to be able to come to resolution. And both parties should be uh, willing to compromise to meet the other person in the middle. Mm, I like that. Yeah, for sure. Compromise. Exactly. Dying to self. Yes. You know what I mean? That way you guys can come to some sort of solution. Yes. Yes. That's good. I like that, babe. Um, Another thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is SUDS. Seemingly unimportant decisions. Yes. So important. I'm telling you people, it's not the big things that ruin marriages. The big things actually were created by the little 
tiny things. Elaborate. If you make small decisions that you think you know in your gut are wrong, mm-hmm. but you think, oh, it's it's an unimportant decision. It's not a big deal for me to friend my ex-boyfriend who I was madly in love with in high school on Facebook. We're not going to be talking. We're just friends. Mm-hmm. Or a coworker. Mm-hmm. Or if you're, I think if you're doing anything that you are justifying in your head, mm-hmm. it's fine to do, but you wouldn't do it in front of your spouse. I think that's a seemingly unimportant decision. Wow. And I think now more than ever through social media, I think that's what we're seeing. You justify it saying, oh, I don't, uh, it's not a big deal. We're just friends or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think a lot of marriages are being destroyed, ravaged by these seemingly unimportant decisions that turn big over time. Right. Like if you know that you have an addiction to alcohol or you have issues with drinking, don't go hang out with your friends that party and drink. Exactly. What's right. <laughs> the old saying? They say, uh, don't uh, don't put your hand in the fire and ask God to not let you burn. You know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. Or like also if you are married, but all your friends are not married and they're out trying to get the guy. If you're hanging out with them on a regular basis, going to clubs and stuff, that can be an issue. Yeah, that's not okay. And I know a lot of people try to wrap that up in, oh, I'm free. Marriage isn't a uh, a prison. I should be able to go and hang out with the girls and stuff like that. You know, that's, and you know, and I know guys, they say, oh, I totally trust her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But that's leading up to something big. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? All it takes is some freaking schmoozy guy or girl you're in a moment of weakness where you've been drinking or partying or say, for instance, you had an argument with your spouse. Yeah. And you're mad and you're mad. And then you open up to that person. And next thing you know, that person is, is completely making you feel like you're the only person in the world, mm-hmm. you know, through that vanity mirror, then what do you think is going to happen? Yeah. You know, so that, that's one of the things we, highly highly stresses watch out for those seemingly unimportant decisions especially Mm -hmm. on social media guys that can be totally detrimental to your marriage yeah because men are bombarded tell Mm -hmm. me some some of the things that men can do to protect themselves because they're constantly bombarded with all the stuff from of women Mm -hmm. and one thing leads to another if you're watching pornography all the time and you think that it's not affecting your marriage i mean how does it 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 does it It, affects your marriage your wife feels like she can't ever uphold the image that you're looking at you know what i mean of i mean how can a woman be ten thousand different women oh you can't you can't you can't and i think you know for one the because men are very visually orientated and i think marketers and social media know that so they target us for that. Mm-hmm. And I also know that algorithm just being a, a social media guy on, on, you know what I mean? And dealing as an influencer and stuff like that through our podcast and our foundation. What I've noticed is the algorithms are set up to where if you pause and you look at something, then it's going to start throwing more and more of that same thing, flooding your, your, your box, literally, right? Mm-hmm. Flooding you with that, your feed, your feed with the, that imagery. So my suggestion, and I heard this on TikTok and I thought it was amazing, is whatever you like, like say, for instance, you're a workaholic or you like to work out and stuff like that. If you're getting bombarded on your feed with with girls on there, and this is a tip for a guy I was talking to the other day, start looking at your feed like with with uh, working out or whatever it is you like. Start looking at those and start liking those and all of a sudden – you'll start getting less and less of the girl feed that's causing you to stumble and stuff like that. And you'll start getting more bombarded with the working out in your feed. Uh, That's just a tip that I've seen. And you can also mark not interested, not interested there you on some of those uh, on the, (laughs) the scuzzy thirst traps. (laughs) Yeah. So talk about thirst traps. Cause you hit me up with that the other day. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I'd never heard that before. 
thirst traps. So a thirst trap is something that a woman will post to leave a man thirsty for intimacy without, or thirsty for, you know, stimulation, sexual stimulation (laughs) without any type of, uh, connection or connection or, 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 uh, finish. I don't know. What is that word? Grad climax. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So a thirst trap. (laughs) A thirst trap just leaves you thirsty. You're not satisfied. You're not satiated. Uh and it was interesting. There is one of our guests, she posted this neat post the other day on Instagram. Uh her name is Gianna Simone. She's an actress. And it was this experiment that they did with butterflies where they took the scientists took these butterflies that were fake and they painted them really brightly colored and really made them fancy and then put them in a room and made them move faster and different Mm -hmm. from like what a real female butterfly would move and then they released a bunch of male butterflies into the room And the male butterflies were enthralled with these fake butterflies. Mm -hmm. So then they wanted to see what would happen if they released real female butterflies into the room. And they did that. And the male butterflies wanted nothing to do with the real female version of the butterflies because they were so enthralled with the fancier version. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times what we see on the internet actually isn't, isn't even the real thing because you can really create deceiving images mm-hmm. on the internet. Whereas that person in real life really does have stretch marks or, mm. you know, cellulite or looks this way or doesn't look great without makeup, you know, but what you're seeing on social media is a fancy painted version mm-hmm. of the butterfly rather than the real thing. And then men come home to their wives and they see the normal butterfly. <laughs> uh, but I thought it was an interesting experiment. Yeah, that is pretty pretty interesting that even butterflies, which is lower on our on our on our uh, on the hierarchy scale, I guess, of uh, animals and human beings and so intelligence intelligent level that they're able to be stimulated by that kind of stuff as well yeah what makes us different that to think that we're not going to be stimulated in the same way well it's amazing how fast the brain reacts yeah uh there i did this amazing program called dnrs Mm -hmm. uh dynamic neural retraining program and it was a program that helped me retrain my mind so that way I can overcome a lot of the issues that I had from chronic illness. Mm -hmm. And they do this like little example of how fast your brain reacts to stimulation and just through our imagination. And I don't know, I'm sure some people have heard of this little experiment, but basically you pretend like you're holding a lemon in your hand and you close your eyes and you hold the lemon and you feel the texture of the skin in your hand and you uh, visualize its color, visualize how it feels, you visualize the size of it and everything. And then you imagine that it's getting sliced open and you can see the juiciness of the lemon kind of starting to explode out of the lemon as you're cutting through it. And in those moments, as you're visualizing that your mouth will begin to salivate Mm -hmm. because your brain is starting to prepare for the idea of eating this lemon. Mm. And that is how fast your brain will react to stimulation. Wow. Wow. Within seconds of just imagining that you're going to eat a lemon. Mm -hmm. So imagine if we're, you know, so, always watching thirst traps <laughs> yeah exactly so you're watching these thirst traps which are definitely robbing you of your intimacy in your marriage right mm-hmm. so if you were to implement let me ask you this so if i was to utilize that and just thinking about you all day right just mm-hmm. thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking like that that should then 
by right stimulate me to be able to want to engage because i know a lot of men like that i've talked to they say man i'm just not in love with my wife anymore man she just doesn't do it for me anymore Mm -hmm. you know what i mean the first question i ask them is what are you watching yeah definitely you know what i mean so that that's a big uh that's a little tip there for for men and women both you know if you're finding yourself not being able to be interested in your spouse that way sexually um Try doing that tip that she just talked about. Or even if you like for women, if you're like bugged with your husband and you're constantly thinking and replaying all the bad things that they're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, you can retrain your brain to Mm -hmm. think on the positive. So like my husband said, if he's thinking about me all day, it matters what he's thinking. You know, Mm -hmm. he needs to be thinking good thoughts, (laughs) not, not negative thoughts. But I mean, if you choose to think about the good things that your spouse is doing rather than the bad things, and you choose to think on those things regularly, Mm -hmm. uh, it will create a different type of hunger, a different type of intimacy, a different type of of life before you, you know, the Bible says that we need to be renewing our mind Mm -hmm. and he's literally given us that power within our own thinking. And we have control of that. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. We can transform our, our whole world by what we think on because what a man thinks on, so shall it be. Yes. Yes, definitely. So guys, if you're listening to this, man, and you're thinking your wife's the worst person in the world, well, guess what? That's what you're going to have. And wives, I had this one time told to me when me and my wife are going through marriage counseling. The lady who was giving it to us, she actually said, she's like, oh, speak to the man you want your husband to be. So if you're going to speak to him, like for lack of better words, a jerk or an asshole, Guess what? That's possibly what you're going to get. If you speak to him like one who has value in your life, that's how he's going to respond as well. Mm-hmm. And it d- might not be the first time you mm-hmm. speak to them nice. Don't lose heart. Consistency. Consistency. Mm-hmm. Just continue to choose to speak to your spouse with regard and respect and love that they deserve, mm-hmm. you know? And just stay consistent in that. It's got to end somewhere. Mm-hmm. And somebody has to choose to create better behavior and create a better atmosphere mm. at some point if you're dealing with issues in your marriage. No, I agree with you 100%. I do. Um, well, thank you guys for coming on. And if you guys have any more questions for Jenny and I, we have the Show Up Dad coaching and mentorship. Remember, guys, it's not therapy. It's solution-driven training. And it's such, we won't waste any time trying to dig in up in your past and stuff like that. We do have people for that that we can kind of like send you to. Um, We will focus on the present and future in a solution-driven way and work to find effective solutions to change your life right now. If you're ready to get started, we'll have a link in the bio. And uh, thank you guys once again. I hope this this is helping you. What do you think, Jenny? Thank you. We're praying for all you families. Absolutely. And marriages. Marriage can be successful if done right.